You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Hey everybody, this is Mission Lab. This is episode 35 and I am delighted to have a really cool person with me today. I always say when I have people on with me that they're one of my favorite persons and I don't just say that just to say that. It really is true. That's the cool thing about having a podcast. You can have your favorite people on it. And so today I will be chatting with my very, very good friend, Dr. Tom Martin, who has uh, been here in the Bangor area for a, no- a few years, and he and his wife Judy are a part of our missional community. So, Tom, thank you for being on Mission Lab with us today. Oh, you're welcome, Sean. It's good yeah. to be here. So, so, Tom, why don't you just briefly share with our listening audience, because I'm guessing that most people have not heard of you. Would you say that's a fairly accurate? Yes. We've had NFL <laughs> players on here. We've had, yeah. But uh, so tell, tell the audience just briefly what your present situation is right now, job, and so forth. Okay. Currently, I'm working at the Eastern Maine Medical Center. I work as a pediatric cardiologist, taking care of uh, young adults and children with heart disease. Uh, And I've been doing that uh, for probably the last six years. I worked as one of the hospitalists at Eastern Maine, taking care of kids who were hospitalized with disease. So Basically, a pediatrician. That's my career, and, and it's been a lot of fun. Nice. You're originally from Michigan. Yeah, I grew up outside Detroit in a town called Royal Oak uh, and uh, went away to school in New York for undergrad and then back to University of Michigan for medical school. Nice, nice. And so you've been in Bangor for 10-ish years or 10 so? 10 or 11. Yeah. Prior to that, you guys, you and Judy were down in the Caribbean Right. Judy is from the Caribbean. And uh, when we were we met in St. Louis while I was working there and uh, we decided to give it a try. Uh, We had a three year contract. The kids uh, were one and almost three. So uh, we packed them up and took them down to the Caribbean with us. And uh, we ended up staying. It was a three year contract. We ended up staying there for about 17 years. Wow. <laughs> Guess you like the weather, huh? Yeah, it was it was nice, but I like the weather up here too. I mean, people say we are geographically bipolar, moving from the Caribbean up to Maine, but it's been fun. Yeah, we're getting snow today again, but yeah, it's all good. There, as some people say, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing, right? That's good. I mean, <laughs> socks are the key, I think, in Maine. Got to go with the socks. Yeah. So I want to talk with you, Tom, about kind of just your journey, your story. We've heard it at our missional community. We have been so blessed for you to be a part of our journey here in the last couple of years. Uh, Maybe just share with our listeners, what was your background religiously growing up and how did that kind of develop throughout your adolescence and on into adulthood? I, I grew up uh, Catholic, Roman Catholic. Uh, we were in a, a parish outside uh, Detroit. Our um, pastor was Father Coughlin, 
who was a radio priest mm. way back in the old days, kind of a Rush Limbaugh kind of guy. <laughs> and they decided, um, since his views became unpopular, mostly, oh, I don't know, anti-Semitic and those kind of things, <laughs> they decided to put him in a parish and take him off the radio. Oh. So he would give his talks on the international conspiracies to school children. And um, that was kind of interesting. I just read, by the way, sorry to interrupt you, I, I never knew this, but another Detroit guy, Henry Ford, I didn't realize how anti-Semitic he was. There was that element yeah. uh, in town. Um, so I, I was uh, raised in the, the Catholic uh, Church. I went to parochial school for 12 years, The learned from the nuns. They were the staff way back then. So... Uh, pretty much immersed in in Catholicism, uh, and uh, when I went to college, I kind of said, you know, I'm not sure I believe all that. Mm. You know, it's um, I think every person goes on their own spiritual journey, and I know people who are still Catholic and are very much Catholic and enjoy it very much and take a lot of who they are and and uh, their concept of life from their Catholicism. But for me, there were some empty spots. Um, when I would go to church, I'm, you know, and they said, oh, this is, we're doing this ceremony and there will be a transubstantiation and this bread will become the body of your God. Um, people didn't seem to really take that seriously. I mean, mm. I would think you would be on your knees with your face on the ground. Mm. And yet everybody kind of was very, I don't know, flippant about <laughs> it. But uh, the other thing that uh, eludes me sometimes is is why Christians are so afraid of, of death. You know, I, mm. I said, okay, God is where you're going, and God is who will embrace you when you die. So where's the fear come from? You know about that, yeah. but anyway, there are just some issues that that uh, that I personally was not satisfied with that uh, with that, and uh, I really wasn't involved in much in the way of church uh, through probably high school. I mean, through um, college and and medical school. I believed I was a spiritual person, but not necessarily a church going person. Uh, my first marriage was to uh, a Jewish woman, and uh, at that time we were experiencing, oh, some interest in spirituality, so we became involved with a synagogue, you know, or a, a temple outside St. Louis, and it was uh, pretty pretty well reformed, you know, it was mm -hmm. a lot of the um, academic people from mm -hmm. Washington University, so it was kind of a very open, you know, a lot of discussion about stuff. I, I kind of like the Jewish faith because, well, if you take somebody like Sigmund Freud, he's Jewish, but he can be an atheist, and yet he's still Jewish, you know, and, and I kind of like that you belong, you're one of us, you know, and one of the things about the Catholic Church is if you're not Catholic, you are excommunicated, mm. you know, if you do things that... Um, are inconsistent with the church's view. You are excommunicated. Mm -hmm. So people become isolated. And you say, is that really what I'm looking for mm -hmm. in a spiritual place? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I kind of I, I like that idea. Uh, and, but 
that first marriage didn't quite work. And um, then I met my wife, Judy. And Judy was raised Seventh-day Adventist. And she is uh, uh, adamantly so. <laughs> and um, when I met her, uh, we thought we'd be getting involved romantically. And I told her, you know, that this is what I can do. I said, well, our house will be Adventist. The kids will be raised Adventist. But I'm not sure that I want to become uh, involved in a church that's associated with a set dogma, mm, yeah. a set list of beliefs that you need to sign on when you come in the door. Hmm. So, so after you explain that to her, she kind of just says, okay, I'll let you do you and you can kind of... I think she's been praying for me every day <laughs> since we had that talk. I, I, I think that, uh, that it's a sense of uh, I will come around eventually, mm-hmm. and uh, she's still working on it. <laughs> so fast forward, though, 30-plus years, and we, you, you kind of, since my time here in Bangor, every once in a while you show up to a Sabbath morning service, um, but something really caught on about two years ago when we started trying this kind of missional community thing. What prompted you to come, and then what prompted you to stay? Um, Judy prompted me to come. <laughs> uh, she said that, you know, we're having this meeting, and we were going to talk about where the church goes in, I don't know, this millennium, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how, does, how do we make it better meet our needs, our spiritual needs, uh, our needs for community? Uh, and I decided to go. And what I found was that we were a group of people sitting in a room talking about spirituality in all its different forms. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I responded to that. Mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed that discussion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what, I mean... If you could kind of drill down a little bit more, you what's 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 the crux of what what attracts you to that type of approach? Um, mostly, it's an exchange. It's mm-hmm. not somebody in the front of the room saying, mm. "This is what you will believe." Mm. Um, I thought your sermon this past Sabbath was was wonderful because you mm. kind of talked a little bit about. Oh, it was from Paul uh, mm-hmm. talking about. Uh, dissension in the church, mm. different beliefs, and how a lot of those differences were superficial. Mm. And the, the core of our beliefs are similar, although superficially you may disagree. Mm. Yeah, Christ is the foundation, right? Some, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was yeah. the idea. Yeah. But I like the concept. Yeah. <laughs> so I've heard you say before, you call yourself kind of tongue-in-cheek a seventh, an SDA, a Seventh-day agnostic. What is that all about? Uh, well, I think that I I have doubts about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there was uh, Tom Hanks was in one of those uh, Dan Brown movies, and mm-hmm. he said uh, f- somebody asked him about his beliefs, and he said, "Faith is a gift that I am yet to receive." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And um, in the Catholic Church, there's this tradition of naming children after the saints, mm-hmm. and I am named after Saint Thomas, one oh. of the apostles, who said, <laughs> you know. I'll believe it when I put my hand in his side, you know, mm-hmm. 
And I think I'm that kind of Christian where, you know, if you calm down and show me the wounds, maybe I'll buy in. <laughs> and that's some days. And mm-hmm. then some days you feel very grateful. You feel very blessed. Uh, you feel that you've been given gifts and you'd like to thank somebody. Mm. And when I feel like uh, that gratitude, um, then I'll go back because in a church setting, I have a way that I can say that thank you mm-hmm. with everybody else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have those doubts, but you know you still you still stay involved. You still connect. You still keep coming. You still contribute. And I I want to tell people that some of the most profound experiences we've had over the last two years is when Tom has made some observations about some portion of scripture that we are studying or reading together as a as a group, a community. And we all look at him and we say, where did that come from? <laughs> no offense. It's not like, wow, Tom comes up with that. But it's just like, you know, here's this person who you're not a baptized member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but you're bringing out insights that those of us who have been, you know, died in the wool Christians our whole lives are not seeing. So it just speaks to the power of, of community and having every vo- voice be heard. I think that... Um I've always enjoyed spirituality, exploring it, reading about it, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, uh, I kind of like reading. And um, there's just a lot of people who have comments on what's happening. And I like the variety of comments. In other words, I think that if you believe and never examine what you believe, you can live a full life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you'll be very good with that. But it's not, it's not something that Spiritually, I can buy into because when it comes to the end of my life, I'll have to defend myself, (laughs) and you won't be there. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's probably true. And so, I have to be true to my own sense of spirituality, my own sense of relation uh, to uh, Supreme Being, Mm -hmm. and and I don't think at this point in my life I can I can buy someone else's interpretation of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. You got to kind of fight in your own armor, right? Yeah. yeah, something like that. But it's also, there's a lot of people who have thought about it a long time. There's a very rich history of theology and consideration and and people thought about it. I mean, I bought a copy of the Quran just to say, what what is it about? And... Um, in a way, it's like the first Reformation. They mm-hmm. identified with the Jewish people and weren't about to buy Je- to buy Jesus as a Messiah. So uh, it's like, no, all these things that the that Christianity is bringing to the table, uh, we need to go back to the true beliefs of the Judeo mm-hmm. relation uh, or origins and, and accept. Uh, and re-examine that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. You've had um, some experience in the past with recovery. And how do you see um, sort of what we've been trying the last couple of years to intersect with that? Uh, is there any, you know, parallels with, with that experience? Well, uh, Judy and I both worked at uh, Eric Clapton's center, Crossroads Center in Antigua. So we had 10 years experience in working with uh, persons with addiction. And I think that the one thing we both came away with is the 
need for spirituality in recovering. Mm-hmm. Um, the sense of loneliness, uh, the sense of uh, detachment is, is high in addicts. And I think that one of the things that um, needs to be done is to uh, reconnect them with society, with families, with friends. Uh, so I think that um, a spiritual recovery is important as a physical recovery. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Tom, give me a, a little sense for where you see your trajectory. Uh, you know, what's now listeners can't see you, but you're, <laughs> as we talk about, seems frequently, you're closer to retirement than to the beginning of your career. Um, I know those things can be, you know, intimidating to some. Um, so, yeah, your trajectory professionally, spiritually, you know, religiously, just maybe. What do you think about when you when you think about those things? I, I think that um, as you get older, you're uh, you wonder about what how you want to be remembered. Who mm-hmm. is the person uh, that I want to leave in everybody's mind? Um, I've had the gift of of being a pediatrician. I've enjoyed that as a ministry mm-hmm. as well as a profession. And I think every day you have a chance to influence other people, uh, how you treat them, how you greet them, how you treat them, you know. And I think that uh, it'll be hard to give that up. So I have to find another way in which to engage uh, the world. Um, And right now I'm just going through a process of assessing that. I'll probably retire in like three years. Mm -hmm. I may work part-time after that. Um, I may get back into the uh, addiction counseling business, not necessarily as a professional, but more as a, a resource person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking that might be fun. But I think that's part of um, what we get together to do. If I knew what was coming, I would be upset about it. So I don't really <laughs> know what's coming. I think that it'll be a change. Uh, Judy's younger, so she still has about uh, 10 years in her career. So mm-hmm. we'll probably be here in Maine. And, and we'll figure out something. So, uh <laughs> As far as religiously, I'm not sure. I think I, 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 I've enjoyed the group that we're in. I've enjoyed the, uh, talking to everybody. It's been a lot of fun. And I, don't, I didn't grow up thinking of spiritual things as fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's becoming more fun. And I want to keep spirituality on that level. I think it's, uh, it's an exploration. It's a journey we're all on. And I think um, all of us need to be open to... Uh, what God has out there for us. Mm, mm. It's an awesome way to put it. I want it to be continue to be more fun as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get I, I get paid to do that, so hopefully those things align. But yeah, so Tom, you're a prolific reader. I mean, you seem like you read a book a day, basically. <laughs> nah, maybe maybe one a week, maybe two one. a week. So. <laughs> that's awesome, and I know you're continuing to explore. You always have so many awesome books that you're you're telling me about you're sharing with me a couple weeks ago you gave me one on uh, astrophysics for those people in a hurry i've been enjoying reading that um i know those questions of science are um you know part of those maybe seventh day agnostic you know uh components but um you've it seems like you've appreciated the ability to again not be hammered dogmatically with any particular 
scientific view, but just able to have conversations about it. I think that spirituality and science need to exist in the same world. Mm. And I think setting up a dichotomy is probably not in anyone's best interest. Mm, yeah. um, and I think that questions of science have a, a place within a spiritual context. In other words, I don't... When I gave you that book on astrophysics, it's like, here is the Big Bang Theory, you mm. know, in a 15 billion year history of our universe. What do you think about that in terms of a seven seven day creation? Yeah. I mean, how do we fit these things together? I think a lot of people look at science today and say, oh, look, science proves that religion is wrong. And, and I think that's a, or people with religion say, you know, science is trying to undermine what we're trying mm -hmm. to do from a spiritual standpoint. But I think the two need to coexist and you need to somehow uh, sit in the same room and say, how, how can I interpret this? How can I explain this to you? And um, there's other things, you know, like the chimpanzee has 97% of our DNA is identical. Mm -hmm. And you just say, well, what's that about? How does that fit into a creation setting? And it's like, I don't know, but it's a scientific fact and uh, we can ignore that fact or we can sit and say, how can we explain that spiritually? Mm -hmm. You know, how mm -hmm. do we explain our differences? And I think it's, um, it's a way that church has to move. I think one of the problems with the world today is people have, a lot of people have given up spirituality completely and accepted science as uh, the answer, sort of a humanistic approach mm -hmm. uh, to spirituality. I think there's probably value in that, but I think there's also limitations in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if I could circle back around to something, um, and I know I'm kind of shooting random questions at you here, but they're coming to my mind. You didn't want me to set them out ahead of time, so I'm just coming no, shooting good. from the hip. Um, you know, you speak kind of, well, as as I think a lot of us do, negatively of dogma or having somebody try to, you know, enforce and compel dogma upon others. Um, in your understanding, is there any place for dogma? Is there, you know, is there a place for certainty? And, and you know, what is that place or whatever? How would you respond to that? I think that um, when you look at Scripture, I think the plan is simple. I mean, I think that um, the Sermon on the Mount was not fiction. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that Maybe we should turn the other cheek. Maybe we should um, give somebody the the shirt off our back. Maybe we should uh, visit people in jails, uh, take care of widows and orphans. Um, and we need to do that in a modern context. I think a lot of people say, well, I like that, but I don't like, oh, Medicare. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it, it's like... Uh, not a choice. I mean, I think that um, when the Lord said, whatever you do for these, the least of my brethren you do for me. Mm. And I think that concept alone is dogma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we wander away from that when we start saying, oh, he meant that, but not really. 
he meant turn the other cheek. But when you look, and I think one of the reasons people gave up religion was probably World War II, where millions of Jews died and it was Christians mm -hmm. that turned the ovens on. Mm -hmm. um, people dropped the bomb in, on Japan and hundreds of thousands of civilians died and Christians did that. And you say, how does that concept fit with a spiritual interpretation of my brother? Mm. And I don't know. It, to me, there is a need to get back to the basic tenets of early Christianity, discipleship, sharing, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, the individual thing you bring uh, to everyone in your life. And I think that has to fit some kind of uh, spiritual dogma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I really like that. Absolutely. We've seemed to have gotten away from, like you say, the foundation and the crux of of what the Christian message is. And I know a lot of times there's kind of this dichotomy that's that's presented between some people are gospel Christians and some people are epistle Christians. I don't know if you've heard that distinction before. You know, there's some people who are all about the the love that Jesus expressed and, you know, like you say, turning the other cheek and, and applying that to our social context. And they don't seem to have as much place for repentance that Paul talks about and forgiveness of Jesus and, you know, when you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, then you're saved. Um, and, and the epistle Christians seem to, you know, not be as heavy on the, uh, you know, person-to-person -person ethics. And so, um, of course, what we are trying to do is, is to put the two together. It's like not one or the other. We, yeah, we talk about personal discipleship and personal spirituality and salvation and the you know, those sorts of things. But we also do talk about this thing Jesus says in the red letters, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And so I hear you uh, wrestling with that tension as well. Yeah, I think everybody says it, but very few people do it. I mean, there was the, the rich guy that came up and said, you know, I keep all the commandments, I do all those <laughs> things. And is there anything else I need to do? And Jesus said, well, why don't you uh, take everything you have and sell it and give the money to the poor and follow me? And I think the guy walked away. <laughs> and I think that true Christianity, uh, true, um, true giving of yourself uh, is difficult. Mm. But I think that is what is asked of us to um, go outside yourself uh, to the point where you're willing to give up those things you think are most precious to you. Mm, mm. And I think that's what um, the dogma asks of us. And, mm. and I don't think a lot of us have that ability to do that. Mm. Maybe like Mother Teresa or somebody like that, yeah. where you just immerse yourself in that concept, you know, of um, loving somebody as much as yourself. Mm. It's hmm. awesome. Well, Tom, you've given me and all of our listeners, no doubt, food for thought, and we've been blessed by your perspective. Anything else you want to add? Anything else stand out in your mind about your journey before we 
shut it down or is that? No, I think there's, there's one thing I learned from the people in uh, recovery is, is at the end of like an AA meeting, they'll always say, keep coming back. Hmm. And I think that in your spiritual journey, you should always be willing to come back. And I think part of that was the forgiveness you talked about. Yes, you can go off the rails, but it'll always be there. It's always there inside you. And hopefully you can rediscover that uh, hmm. that commitment. Hmm. Yeah, good thoughts. Well, thank you, Tom, for being here with me on a snowy day. And uh, we'll look forward to our continued journey together. And uh, a couple of weeks, maybe watching the Super Bowl together. <laughs> now that there's reason to watch it after a scary, scary game. Uh, but thank you, Tom, for being with us. And thank you, listeners. We'll be back with you next week as well with another episode. No doubt Camille will be with me again. But thanks for listening and have an awesome day and week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLabPodcast. Podcast.